this is this is a call for women, right? No, welcome to the Antares Owner Roundtable. We are discussing today uh, women who sail aboard the Antares, and we are happy to have a whole panel full of expert sailing women. These some figuring it out still, like me, um, and definitely uh, happy to have everybody here. So let's start with just introductions. So, um, Audrey, so um, Audrey, will you start and just tell your name, where you are now, and give a little bit of background about your sailing experience. Hi, everyone. Uh, I'm Audrey. I'm a co-owner of Rehua. We are hull number 25, one of the last ones built in Canada. Um, originally from the, we li used to live in the UK in London. We're in Singapore at the moment. So we're halfway um, around the world on, on our boat. Um, we <clears throat> So we used to live in London, um, had um, careers there, and um, so basically sold our house, bought our boat, took the kids out of school to go sailing. Um, the plan was to do that for two or three years, but six years later, we still live on board. So um, it's, it's really our home and, and we love it. Um, and um, we stopped in Singapore for two years to do some work top up our cruising kitty and we're planning to uh, set sail again in um, February next year sort of borders opening and you know situation permitting perfect yeah and how how so long had you sailed before you you guys jumped on the Antares oh yes yeah. so I, I yeah I used to sail since I was a kid I started dinghy sailing when I was seven um, I met my husband sailing as well he did a lot of racing um, but always on dinghies or on big monohulls so catamaran was quite a sort of a new thing to us so we did a lot of monohull sailing we always used to go on holidays before uh, chartering bare boats um, you know monohulls in the med for a couple of weeks um, and and when we sort of you know realized we wanted to quit the rat, rat race and really look for a boat we were looking for monohulls originally so looking for you know we ended up with a, looking for a catamaran because of the comfort and you know you sort of you know look around but really um th that was quite new to us and um yeah huge difference to to our still being here six years later the comfort and and just the livability of a catamaran has been amazing um but yes it's sort of been sailing for a long time um good perfect thank you so much oh sorry i don't want to cut you off good Yep, go. <laughs> my my internet my my internet connection is unstable. Just FYI. Um, Elizabeth Bradley, next. Tell us who you are and kind of some of your sailing experience. I'm. Uh, and where you are? Um, uh, we're in Vero Beach, Florida, on hull number twenty six. We were the last Canadian boat. Um, we've we've owned her. We're the second owner. We've owned her since twenty seventeen. Um, and prior to that, I lived, so we've lived on her for three years. And prior to that, we lived on a monohull in Mexico for five years, started in San Francisco, um, got down to Mexico with the plan of coming around to the East coast, around to the East coast, but fell in love with Mexico and never left. What I didn't feel, fall in love with was living on a monohull. Finally had enough of that and said, all right, I got to have a catamaran. We made the mistake of crossing the Pacific as crew on a big catamaran, which is our first catamaran experience. And after that, it was always on our minds. And it's like, you know, I kind of have had this whole healing thing, this whole tiny little bits of storage thing. I 
So we got the Ontarios and haven't go back. We absolutely love it. Um, but I grew up also dinghy sailing and racing, and I and I also taught sailing. Um, I've taught kids in the Navy program and college kids and also women who are trying to learn to sail and had a lot of trouble learning from husbands. Um, having a woman instructor was a really important part of their learning and being able to really focus on learning and not getting yelled at. So, um, so anyway, so yeah, that's me. That's great. Yes. That was a big part of my, one of my classes, I had a female instructor and it made all the difference. She was speaking my speak. So that's great. All right. Uh, Kelsey. Hi there. I'm Sally on SV Millie. We have been living on board full time since uh, January, 2015. We bought the boat in Argentina and sailed up the coast on our own from uh, Argentina to or Buenos Aires to Trinidad. Loved Brazil. We it's one of our favorite places. We spent four months there and did the Lesser Antilles and then Colombia, Belize, Mexico, and Florida, where we prepared to cross the Atlantic. And we crossed uh, in 2017, I think, and spent two and a half or three years, three seasons in the Med, and then came back last February to be greeted by COVID on this side. So we um, spent our lockdown in lovely Kerikou, which was a great place to be, Kerikou, Grenada. And I am now sitting in Grenada and probably will be here for a little while more before we continue west. Yeah, um, this has us all stuck, doesn't it? <laughs> yeah, it does have us stuck, but it's not such a bad thing. <laughs> no, it's not bad being stuck. <laughs> that's true. That's true. Well, the trip up from Argentina is not for the faint of heart. And to hear that you guys did it on your own, I have to give you a big high five for that. So kudos. Yeah, I, I think uh, Memo was quite surprised at us too. Uh, I think we were one of the first to uh, actually try it on our own. So it was an adventure for sure. <laughs> yeah, <laughs> that's right. Always an adventure. Okay, thank you so much again for being here. We'll just move on to the next slide and um, ask everybody, what inspired you to go sailing? Um, Elizabeth, why don't you go first? What inspired uh, you to go sailing? My husband and I, Ellen and I were both workaholics and we're getting near to retirement and trying to decide what we're going to do with our life because we had no life. And because all we did was work, no social life, no nothing. Um, and we're thinking, what are we going to do? Sit in a house and we can't really afford to stay in California. We looked at Costa Rica. We looked at Mexico. We looked at, you know, what are we going to do? What are we going to do? And then we were, my husband was a video producer and we were bidding a job on a boat and coming into the Jack London Square in Oakland, California. Um, and the fall boat show was going on. And simultaneously, we looked at each other and said, we could live on a boat. And <laughs> we could go everywhere. that started the idea. And that was in 2005. And so we immediately, as soon as we got the idea we wanted to do this, signed up for lessons with, uh, uh, with um, 
I forget the name of the organization, but anyway, um, oh, Club Nautique in San Francisco, because we figured, well, I know how to sail. Alan didn't really. And if we're going to do this, if you're going to go cruising the boat and go, but we're very conservative, very safety conscious. And it's like, all right, we're going to get the right training. We're going to get the navigation, the boat systems, the, you know, how to really deal with a cruising boat. And, you know, not only is that a safer way to do it, but it certainly gives you more confidence to get the real honest to goodness cruising training to do this. And so um, it took us three years to actually to do the training and figure out what boat we wanted to buy. We bought our forever boat, a caliber 40, 40 foot monohull. That was it. This is our forever boat. Yeah, it didn't work out that way. <laughs> but um, So yeah, it was just sort of, a, it wasn't a lifelong dream. It was just sort of the spur of the moment. This would be a cool thing to do. So it kind of proves it's, it's really, old. I mean, we were both in our 50s and 60s at that point, and it's never too late to start. And because uh, here mm -hmm. we are doing it now. Yeah, that's nine great. years later. That's yeah, here we are. Nine years later. Yep. It's amazing. Audrey, mm -hmm. you kind of had the same experience where you were the sailor, right? Can you share a little bit about your your inspiration to go sailing and how that all started? You're on mute. Can you unmute? Uh, we were boat sailors, yeah, but I think um, I, I was the one that uh, instigated the idea to go cruising. Um, you know, Sean hadn't really considered uh, sort of full-time cruising, um, you know, but was easily convinced, I have to say. Um, and I sort of, yeah, I sort of touched on it earlier. We used to go on holidays, bare boat charters <clears throat> in the med. And then we came back home and we sort of looked at each other and said, what are we doing? The rat race, working so hard not seeing the kids, you know, you know, paying the mortgage. It's, it was, you know, is that it for the rest of our lives? And, um, you know, we just wanted to change and we wanted to, you know, enjoy the kids while they were young. And we thought, okay, let's, let's buy a boat. Let's sell our house, buy a boat, go travel around the world. We'll do a circumnavigation in about three or four years. And then we'll come back and we'll start again. It's not a problem, right? I was 39 at the time, um, you know, mid-career. I was doing really well, but, you know, I was kind of fed up with the corporate world as well. Sean had his own company. Um, you know, he was kind of fed up with clients as well. So it was, it was a good time to take a break. Um, and then we, uh, we bought the boat in Turkey. We were the second owners. Um, we sailed it across the Med, which was great to sort of get everything ready and, and fix all the systems that needed to be uh, fixed up. And then we crossed the Atlantic uh, went through the Panama Canal, did the South Pacific, which was absolutely amazing. Um, ended up in New Zealand and then, you know, caught up with you guys, Sarah. We uh, sailed all the way through, uh, you know, the, the islands, Vanuatu, Solomons and so on. And then it was kind of four to five years later and we said, oops, you know, what are we going to do now? We don't want to go back. We're having such a good time and I don't want to go back to so-called normality. You know, the kids are doing fine with homeschooling. We, we, you know, we, we don't really want to go and live in a house again. Um, and I think part of that is also because uh, the, the Ontario is such a comfortable boat. I've seen a lot of people on monohulls and less comfortable boats who, who, who were fed up after three years, to be honest. But we don't miss anything. We have all the comforts we need on board. You know, both our boys each have their own cabin. We have everything we need. So we're happy. We, we can keep doing this. Uh, but we wanted to have a little more, you know, money. So another buffer and... Um, 
So we looked at opportunities to just stop for a little while and work. And, and hence we are now in Singapore and it's been a great opportunity to stop here. We're still living on the boat um, in the marina, but you know, we, we can just, once we're done, throw off the lines and we're off again. So it's, um, it's great. And I think um, it's, it's all, yeah, positive really. Um, best decision yeah, we have. Yeah. A few of the, the things you pointed out were uh, how hard it is to go back. I mean, that's what we've kind of run into is that we really have no reason to go buy a house or go back on land. And it's the, the thought of doing that is a little bit feels restrictive at this point. Um, so it's, yeah, that's a whole different, different show, but <laughs> different, uh, different podcasts or whatever. But anyway, yeah, thank you so much. Kelsey, what do you think? What inspired hey. you to go sailing? Does this yes. work this time? Okay. Yes. I'm on a different computer. Um, yeah. So uh, my, my husband and I sailed on a monohull like 10 years ago for a couple winters down in the Caribbean, go back to the mountains to work in Colorado for the summer, go back down and get on the boat again in the winter. And that was great. And then, and, and then we were done um, and decided to move to Maine and start a family. And now we have two kids and a successful company. And we've had a whole string of gardens with lots of tomatoes. And I'm like, okay, I've done that. I've checked that off. And now the winters are getting really long again. And I wanna get on a boat and get out of here. So this, <laughs> yeah, especially right now, it's just like watching like the temperature dive. I'm like, oh God, mm -hmm. oh God. Why do we have to shrink wrap this winter? I don't want to do it. Um, yeah. So we are though, we're, she's up on the hard. We got um, hole number 17, um, formerly blue. We call her Linnea. Um, took delivery on Father's Day summer and had an amazing summer. We have, um, my kids are five and seven and they were just like little monkeys. They were all of little monkeys. They were all over the place. They love it. Like we tried out a few different, it's great. I think it's just gonna be awesome. Um, probably not gonna take off next summer, probably the year after that, hopefully, fingers crossed. But um, I think this is a great boat. Yeah, fingers crossed, good. And what about you and what about you and your husband? Did you have the same same interest in doing this together or was it one more than the other like been dreaming about boat school since the kids were born <laughs> i think and cool. um if anything i missed it more than him or it's arguable i think um now that like we have the boat and we have the dream and we're like both going for it it seems like so obvious and we're like so in love together on this project but okay. um cool okay. i definitely Great. Am I frozen? Maybe. Sorry. Sorry, I got frozen. I'm sorry I interrupted you, Kelsey. Go ahead. A little bit about um, my story about how we got inspired to go sailing. It was really Mark's idea, um, but I was really excited for the idea of spending time together as a family and traveling. Um, sailing was just kind of a means to an end for me. I had never been sailing. I had been in, I was a wakeboarder when I lived in Tennessee just for fun. So I'd been on the water, but never sailing. Um, and I have to say, I was pretty nervous about it, especially with two young kids and me not having any experience. So we did take classes together. Mark was of the mindset 
and still is. If you don't know how to do something, you can always learn. So don't say you can't do it. Just figure it out and learn. Um, learn from the experts and learn from people who've done it already. So that's what we did. And it was a fire hose of information. And it was a lot of like stepping out in faith and encourage and just saying, okay, if other people can do it, we, I can do it too. Um, and I think that the whole concept of the lifestyle that it would give us as a family was the thing that really encouraged me to keep pushing forward and keep trying it. Um, so that, that's kind of a little bit of my story. And I still, we, we do, uh, we'll talk more about this later, but we, we definitely split the, we split the, the responsibility. So I'm learning still every day more and more about sailing. It's an ongoing journey. I think nobody's ever an expert, um, but it's, it's, I'm glad that Mark convinced me to go because he did have to do some convincing, I must say. So Sarah, um, tell us how long Sally? you've been Oh, yeah, sorry. Sorry, tell us how long you've oh, been Oh, sorry. Yeah, well, it was supposed to be a, a year. I committed to one year. <laughs> and then one year came and went. And I said, okay, I think we can do one more year. You know, it was always a check-in. Mark was always trepidatiously coming up, trying to figure out how to approach the, the uh, topic every year. You know, <laughs> I could sense it. And, but I, I didn't have a reason to say no. I didn't have a reason to want to go back. I had many reasons to want to stay out. And I saw my kids flourishing in the environment and homeschooling was going pretty well. Um, it was, it was a big responsibility for me. So it added some stress, but it was worth it to be able to enjoy the environment and meet the people that we did and see the places. So we've been out for nine years now. We're on the ninth year. Every Christmas is our anniversary. So we're coming up on our ninth nine years out. Uh, I don't know. I still don't really <laughs> understand how we got there, got here, but um, day to day, you just keep enjoying it and keep overcoming challenges and figuring out together and growing in what you know. So it's been good. I think um, right now we're kind of at a point where we're going to slow down and look for kids high school. I'm not a physics teacher, nor am I a calculus teacher. So that's kind of where we're at, but We'll see. We'll see what happens. Um, I think we still like the boat. We still want to stay on the boat. So we'll just have to figure out how to work that in. What about you, Sally? Tell me a bit, bit about your, your inspiration to go sailing. Well, I'm glad you changed the word from the initial word, which was convinced, because I don't think I was convinced. <laughs> <laughs> I think I was inspired. It's a much better word. Um, Peter is the lifelong sailor and I married into it, albeit about 35 years ago. So uh, I've been sailing dinghies with him since for that long. And then we bought a monohull and raced it around the cans only and in Toronto. Mm -hmm. And then uh, we chartered in the Caribbean with our children who were tiny at the time. And I, I thought, what a great holiday. It was fantastic. I loved it. Um, and I think Peter was always had it in the back of his mind that he wanted to cruise and he wanted to cross oceans. Uh, and after holidaying on uh, charter boats, I agreed that I wanted to coastal cruise cruise, but um, circumnavigating or cross, crossing oceans was not in my uh, 
comfort zone at all at the time. And then I read a book called The Godforsaken Sea, which incredibly enough, it's a, almost a horror story of sailing, uh, of sailors, solo sailors sailing around the Southern Ocean. I thought, well, I can do this. We're never gonna sail around the Southern Ocean. We're only gonna sail around, do trade wind sailing and it's no problem. So I thought, okay. I had also, um, when we married, 35 years ago, I had said that I wanted her a day. And so uh, I think this lifestyle fulfills that dream for sure in almost every way, being a totally um, unpredictable, but always fun, always learning um, and, a, and a great boat to feel safe on while you're doing it. So yeah, mm -hmm. that's my story. Yeah, I think the whole idea of adventure a day, it, it definitely comes with its fair share of um, exciting moments, challenges, um, beauty, and just awe-inspiring things that you get to experience and see. And I think that that idea of an adventure a day and being able to overcome some of those challenges and be stretched. I think I was, um, I've grown so much as an individual just with the challenges and with the experience. It's, um, it's just, it's amazing to look back on. I'm sure you all have the same experience of just, you look back on, you keep going day to day, but when you take the time to reflect on how far you've come and how much you've experienced and what you've seen and what you've experienced with your partner and um, just, I think on those starry nights where all you have to do is be with yourself and the sea. It's, uh, it's, it's a, it's a, it's a privilege to be able to have that time to reflect that we don't often, I didn't often get in um, suburbia. So it's good. Well, what do you guys think about challenges? Did you have um, challenges or struggles? What were some of your big obstacles? I'm sure I had huge obstacles of like fear and just the unknown with no experience, but what, for you experienced ones, what were some of the obstacles that you had to overcome or did you? Next slide. Um, how about Kelsey? You'd been on boats before. Are you frozen, um, Kelsey? Oh, there you are. Okay. Challenges. Yeah, I find, I find it a really difficult question. I, I, I struggled to think of, um, yeah, the challenges that, um, I think, bef I think before I did our, I had never done an, um, a crossing, um, you know, like uh, the Atlantic crossing was our first big crossing. Um, I was worried if something happened to the kids or if there was a medical issue, you know, what would we do? Um, and, and then that's, a, I guess that's the, the main fear I had before we left. Um, that was maybe my personal challenge to overcome. And as we were out there, I realized, you know, it's it's fine. You rely on your own resources. You you know, we, we have enough, um, you know, medical supplies on board. Um, and and luckily, Sean's he's you know he's he's had situations like that where he did Sydney Hobart races and somebody you know broke a leg and things like that. So he's had to deal with very mm -hmm. serious situations. So that kind of gave me comfort as well. Um, 
and you know in the end i mean now i love the big passages i i love doing the you know the two weeks um i mean this the pacific crossing was great three weeks out there just the four of us no internet connection um you get into this routine and you really bond as a family it's it's amazing so um i, th I think that was kind of my my sort of personal challenge and that's totally gone away having experienced the the passages yeah mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. yeah I had some of the similar similar ideas with the kids with medical stuff, but you figure yeah. out that not everybody needs everybody can we can handle it and it's yeah it's helpful to take courses and and mm -hmm. have books to refer to and just have what you need so preparation again what about Elizabeth what about you um anxiety is my biggest challenge and and it actually I didn't start out with it it's a Oh, it's it's not diagnosed, but I think I have an anxiety disorder. I mean, we've tried medications, and my doctors tried medications, and they made me too sick. And now I CBD oil helps a lot, but unfortunately, it does kind of limit um, what I'm really willing to do. It, it, but like we went up to Nova Scotia last summer, and it was wonderful. But I was so fearful. And I just try to tell myself, it's the anxiety, it's not, you know, I, I try to separate the disorder from the reality and say, I'm not going to limit, but it does really limit us. Um, I don't want to say, I'm not sure when we go back to Mexico, that I want to go across and go through the canal and go up. I almost want to just put the boat on a ship because um, I love the lifestyle. I love being on the boat. Um, I love the social aspects of it, but the anxiety is really a problem for me. Um, I actually am not also a big fan of big passages. I, I would be a fan of passages if it wasn't for waves. I mean, why does the ocean have to get so rough? You know, I just, I get seasick. All this stoogeron really helps with that. But um, I don't know. I, I really struggle a lot, but I love the lifestyle and I couldn't imagine living in a house and that almost immediately when we got on the monohull even and 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 got really going with the lifestyle it, it was almost no time at all it's like i don't ever want to go back in a house but i do struggle with challenges you know, with the anxiety mm -hmm. and the fear i appreciate you sharing that i think that that is a valid that is a valid struggle i have struggled with that as well and i think um in fairness it is a challenge it's it is a you have to have an amount of brave bravery to embark on this adventure because there are some of those um yeah what ifs that could could haunt you so i think that just offering yourself some grace and understanding that you are you are stepping out into an adventure that does does require courage and it's normal to be anxious about those things and to have that anxiety. I think it's hard for me to find the balance between living the fullest cruising life that I can and being fair to myself and my, my limitations that I feel more comfortable setting. So I think that's, that's definitely a valid point. Just want to you, echo Sally. Oh, oh, go ahead. Sorry, I just want to echo the seasickness, uh, Thing as well so I, I think that's something a lot of us have and it doesn't matter how experienced you are right I mean a lot of people get seasick and um, 
that, that, is, that is actually a challenge as well, I would agree. And it's something we've learned to manage. And, uh, you know, I still wouldn't swap uh, uh, the sailing life because of it. And, and we deal with it. But, you know, yeah, the seasickness is definitely something that comes and goes. Mm -hmm. Does everybody on your boat experience seasickness at some point, Audrey? Or are some more susceptible than others? Yeah, more. Yeah, it's just my it's myself sometimes and, and one of the kids, but we've sort of learned to deal with it. And but I think it's it's another thing that can cause anxiety when you sort of first experience it. But once you get to know what triggers it and how long it lasts and how you can manage it, you learn to live with it more as well. And I just um, it's, some, it's something we've learned along the years on the boat as well. You know, which type of movement causes us to sort of feel seasick or uh, you know, it's usually if we haven't sailed for a few days and then the first 24 hours are the worst and, you know, just what triggers mm -hmm. it and then how to manage it. And then. Mm -hmm. Yeah. Have you, have you taken medication before? Have you tried that in the first, at least for the first couple of days? Yes. Does that yeah. help? That yeah. seems to help yeah. me too. Yeah. 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 But then exactly. you can go off of it and it's not, yep. it doesn't seem as, you know, yeah. your body adjusts, but yeah, yeah, those first couple of days can be doozies. I think it's helpful when, Mark doesn't get seasick, but it, and it's really helpful that he can step into the, to help out when I, when, when it hits me. So yeah, it is yeah. helpful to have some, at least someone on board that has a steel stomach. Oh, totally. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> Sally, do you have any struggles or can you, can you uh, relate to any that have been mentioned so far? Well, seasickness, of course I can relate to. Um, I, I don't get it very badly and I've learned how to manage it. But uh, I agree with you, Sarah, that uh, having another, a partner who has a steel stomach is very helpful. Uh, but I, so I have learned how to manage it. I would say my challenge, especially in the med, has been weather, unpredictable mm -hmm. weather. Uh, the trade winds, we feel very happy that we are back in the trade winds because they're consistent and pre predictable, but in the med, there are so many very quite intimidating local winds that um, mm -hmm. come up out of nowhere are not forecast. And uh, that is an anxiety provoking struggle for me. Mm -hmm. We had a tornado, two tornadoes and a medicane and uh, several places where we had to get across quickly so that we would not be hit by any of these local winds. So, and in one harbor, we saw a boat, we moored really quickly as weather was coming in and one boat came in, pulled by the, towed by the Coast Guard with completely um, tattered headsail. So it was, that was my anxiety provoking and now that we're back in the trades, I feel very comfortable again. <laughs> so what did you do when you were, when you were in the med and those, those storms would start building up? What were some of your practical tactics that, that would help you calm down or were there yeah. any, did well, you figure out any solutions? Yeah, feel, feeling good on the Antares is one very helpful thing. It's a very solid boat and we did and heavy enough that we didn't feel that we would be picked up and scurried away in the tornado. But uh, mm -hmm. at the boat right beside us capsized and sank within about mm. 30 seconds. So that was that was quite something. But um, 
yeah, we felt we, when we have time to, to manage the weather, we, we make sure that all the things on, on the deck are secure and the, the uh, enclosure is down if we can do that and the motors are on and we're, we're go heading downwind and all those uh, things that, that everybody does. We haven't had to use a drogue or any of those things. Mm -hmm. And we feel that uh, the Antares actually coming up the coast within about the first week of owning the boat, we had, I forget what those winds are called, coming uh, from the south up the coasts of South America. I they have a name, but I forget what it is. We had one of those with 57 knot winds uh, that was quite astounding. However, the Antares just managed it perfectly. There was, it was not, uh, not scary at all. So that made, gave me great confidence in the boat itself. And um, since then, even though the weather can be scary, I do feel confident in the, in the boat itself. So that's good. And in my captain. Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> that's important too. And you, yes, I think is. you do, you do build confidence as you go. I mean, as yeah, much as we don't want to encounter those things, it helps us to, okay, we've, check 40 knots off the list. We've done 40, we can do, okay, we're ready for 45. We can do 45. You know, it just does build incrementally. As much as we don't want to have to be in that situation, it does, yeah. it does every time, just build a little bit more confidence in yourself and in your crew. And yeah, that's good. Um, what did you guys, have you experienced any um, backlash from your families? This wasn't on our questions, but I just was wondering challenges or struggles with keeping in touch with people. How do you manage that and um, maintaining relationships and feeling connected to those of you that you left on land? Anybody have experience yeah, for with sure, that? For sure. I, I think, um, yeah, I think my parents and, you know, my brother as well, I think they were all very worried when we said, we're just going to sell our house, give up our careers and set off. And I think like the grandparents, you know, my parents especially were worried about the children, taking them out of school. Uh, you know, you're giving up your career, you know, your house, what are you doing? Are you crazy? So it's, you know, you're doing something that is out, out of the norm. So, you know, it's expected, I guess, that some of your family would, would sort of worry about that. But I think as the years went by and they saw how we were happy and the kids flourish, I think now they're very supportive. So. It is still quite hard. I think that's the one thing that, that I miss is seeing family, uh, you know, less frequently. It's harder, especially in this year. We, we had liked to make a trip to the UK and Scotland to visit our families, but that we, you know, we also had to cancel that. Um, but we, we try, you know, my parents have visited several times, so we try and stay in touch, of course, you know, through the internet. It's, it's much easier these days, but I think, yeah, it's, it's, um, it's you know, it's hard sometimes. Yeah, yeah. And this season, you're right, this season does make it harder. We, ha we had a trip home plan too. It's been over three years since we've been back and my, all the grandparents are, you know, <laughs> watching their clocks and saying, okay, come on. Um, I think that was for us the, the, the trickiest part is feeling like we were taking our kids away from their grandparents and away from their yeah. family. Um, but I've, I 
in speaking to my, uh, my sister and my brother, I feel like I talk to my parents more than they do and they live there in the state. So it's, it's almost gives me more of a reason to call them and keep in touch um, where maybe if I was home, I wouldn't have such a strong drive to, you know, schedule my, my uh, times to communicate with them. But I think that's one reason why a lot of um, women specifically end up leaving the cruising life is because of family and grandkids get born and um, that, but there is still, there is still quite a lot of opportunity to keep in touch, keep in contact. Yeah, thank goodness for uh, technology, really, because uh, right. I often think of my mother who had traveling nomadic children through her as young adults and that she had to wait for a letter, whereas we mm. can uh, jump in on, on technology and, and instantaneous. So I, I have two adult children and, of course, uh, miss them and... They initially thought they were proud of us, but I think they were also worried about us, especially our daughter. And um, the technology has made it very easy, except when it breaks down, then it's not so great. <laughs> yeah. yeah, not good. Not good. And there's, of course, there's pros and cons to that, but, and, you know, seeing the internet be available in more and more places. Um, yeah has its pros and cons, but it certainly is helpful for us sailors to be in contact, both for emergency and for just relationship maintenance. So um, last question for today, I would love to open it up for anybody who has other questions after this one, but how do you guys handle the roles and responsibilities on your boat? Do you have pink and blue jobs or do you have uh, purple jobs? Like, how does it go? Uh, Elizabeth, you start us off. Well, you know, Alan grew up on the car so he's kind of a logical one to, to keep the boat running he does all that you know the traditionally blue jobs and he does them and I don't have a problem with that um, I do the navigation and the weather predicting I tell us where to go when and how fast and um, then when we're underway I don't I am actually not an outdoors person I, I don't like to be outdoors which is kind of strange I don't like wind I don't like sun um, so I tend to ride along inside the, you know, right where I'm sitting right now, where Alan is exactly the opposite. He likes to be outdoors, so he tends to be out, uh, you know, controlling the boat underway for most of the time. And watches that. When we're mooring anything like that, I'm driving and he's doing the heavy lifting. Um, and early on, we know how to control the boat and, um, and to drive the boat. And it also makes sense. I have issues with my, my hands and my wrists and, you know, from, it's funny, the, the job that enabled us to buy this boat is also the job that ruined my, you know, carpal tunnel and nerve issues and all kinds of that stuff on my hands. So I really can't do the, the heavy lifting. So right from the start, you know, with the, and one that was my biggest fear is going into this with the monohull is driving this huge boat. Just do it. I mean, it's important as a woman, don't just sit in the background and say, ooh, he's going to drive it and I'm not. I'm too scared. You need to learn how to drive it. 
and it actually we used to take turns but now pretty much I just do all the close quarters driving and we have headsets that we communicate with and Alan is very very good at calling you know how close we are to the dock and turn this way you know because it, it's a little hard to see um, from the driver's seat and it works really well so we really have a good division and of course since I'm the lifelong sailor I you know trim the sail in let the sail out whatever I, I do the sail trim so we really have a a good division of labor. I do most of the cooking and cleanup, but that's only because Alan has figured out that if he reads aloud to me while I do it, then I want to hear what's coming next in the story. So no, no, yeah, I'll clean up. You keep reading. And so, uh, you know, he's figured that one out. So it's, it's kind of a good, you know, we both contribute to the, the, the daily life and management and moving, moving of the boat. What? That's how important it is for not, not feeling scared, the fact that you do what you do, know how. that you feel confident mm -hmm. handling the boat because it really removes a lot of the anxiety. Yeah, could you hear that, what he said? Both people yes. need to know. And I wholeheartedly yeah. agree. I wholeheartedly yeah, it, agree. It, it, that's true. The one way to get rid of that anxiety is to do it and to learn that you, you are capable. Yeah. Yeah. Exactly. So and I have I think a question, this, um, Elizabeth. Oh, so is, is one? Of, are you the captain then? Or are you both? So how do you see the that that sort of role? Is there one of you who's like captain in sort of a situation of like you know you have to take a decision, or is it always you know both who who decide something? Yeah, or? I'm, kind of, I'm just curious. Yeah, I mean, when we're going to decide, you know, just a general decision, we work on it together. But since I'm the one, you know, I know how far we got to go. I know what the currents are going to be, you know, cruising the East Coast of the United States. My gosh, it's not easy. You know, we cruised Mexico for five years, and then we came here. We've been cruising here for three years. And I say, Mexico, West Coast of Mexico, Sea Cortez, that's kindergarten to the East Coast is graduate school. And... So there's so much involved with planning what you're going to do that it's like, no, and since I'm the one doing all that, no, we have to go now. We have to go in three days. This is the wind. You know, we can't make it. We can make it. You know, so because I'm doing that part of it anyway, a lot of that kind of decision just sort of falls to me. But we do have, you know, if one of us is uncomfortable, it's like, no, we're not going to do that. You know, and I mentioned that in an earlier roundtable, but if either one says, no, that's not a good idea, then okay, fine. We're not going to do it. But, um, yeah, a lot of mutual decisions, but then when it comes down to when and where, that's pretty much me. What about you, Audrey? Um, I, well, on our boat, I would definitely say um, we are sort of more pink and blue. <laughs> So, um, you know, Sean's definitely the captain and then, you know, in charge of, um, you know, running the boat and making the decisions. Um, but um, I think we, we always, I mean, I give a lot of input into where to go. And um, I think, um, you know, as women do, you know, we, we do get our way usually by sort of hinting, this is where <laughs> I want to go or that, you know. <laughs> You know yeah, what I mean? We know. Yeah. Yeah. Um, <laughs> but, but uh, you know, definitely, um, you know, sailing wise, um, you know, we obviously share all the shifts. Um, we do sort of three hours on, three hours off. So, um, 
you know, perfectly happy with that to, to sit in the helm or, you know, tack the boat or what, you know, whatever's needed. But if there is like a real emergency, I would, you know, still wake Sean up in the night and, um, you know, if there's big tanker ship nearby or something like that, that, um, yeah, he's, he's definitely the one that would call the shots, I would say. And, um, you know, apart from that, it's like any family life, you, you, you share the, the chores and, uh, you know, the kids get involved as well. Um, you know, we all help out with with cooking and dishes and, and all the other things that you would in a normal household as well. So that's um, no different, I would say. Yeah. Mm -hmm. Yeah, I think. What about you, Sally? Pink, blue, purple? Well, this this actually is a really good topic because it created the most angst for me in uh, the adjustment to sailing life. I was a proud, um, I was proud of our land loving life because we were very equal in our delegation of roles. And then when we got, and as we approached sailing, it took a couple of years to uh, get the boat and, and uh, prepare ourselves. And we were both going to take uh, classes around um, engine and plumbing and electricity and all those things but time ran out incredibly even after two years and uh, we didn't do that peter is the more definitely the more engineering in his mind than i am so it comes a little easier for him to learn and when we got on the boat and it was all new and um and, and a very steep learning curve for both of us. He was the one who took on the blue jobs and I became the pink person, which really irritated me at first. Uh, I, I adjusted, I adjusted, but it still kind of bugs me. And uh, I, I think our, the way we have doled out responsibilities is very equal. I do all the finance and the communication and the provisioning and we both um, listen and, and ask for each other's opinions and uh, I have learned a lot about engines and can tr brainstorm troubleshooting but he's still the front the guy hands-on guy and he is also the captain sailing which I have no problem with at all. I, I prefer it that way, actually. Uh, mm -hmm. And although I feel that I could sail the boat by myself if I wanted, he, um, I broke my ankle at one point. We, when we initially started, we were going to trade jobs all the time, but we didn't do that. So he does the motor and I do the deck work. Um, and then I broke my ankle on board and we had to switch up roles, which was a really good thing for both of us, actually. So um, anyway, we, we have adjusted and I've adjusted my feminist um, mentality to, <laughs> to accept roles. <laughs> yeah, you know, it all has to be done. There is so much that has to be done. You said earlier that it's like a, you said you enjoyed the holiday on the boat with your your family and people think it's an ongoing holiday but really there's so much to be done and you couldn't you can't do it all by yourself as much as I would love to be able to know how to do everything it's just there's just not enough time in the day and um, 
I think it's important that you just appreciate what your partner brings to the table and yeah. do what you do and and keep your part going because it just it really does um, there's a lot that, that needs to be done I think that there's one thing I want to touch on a little bit and it's about this this boat in particular um, it for me I have been amazed at how easy it is to handle by myself like I I have become pretty confident in getting sales out putting sales down um, doing what I need to do to give Mark his full time off. It took a while to get there, but I think just to be able to be in the protection of the cockpit and do what I need to do and not feel like I am not strong enough, like really don't have the physical strength to do it, but it's all really doable for me. Yeah. Um, do you, do you guys have the same experience? Yeah, I think it's a really important point to, to mention Sarah. I think, uh, especially when you're sailing at night you you absolutely feel safe on your own in the cockpit the helm position is amazing um and also to leave the other person there on their own Sean is you know he's he's assured that you know i'm safe up there if there is any sort of tweaking to be done to the sails you don't have to leave the cockpit you don't have to take any risks um i think you know i've seen a lot of other cats through the years now and and there's nothing you know, com that compares to the Antares, I think, in terms of safety and, and comfort and, and handleability. It's, um, yeah, it's a very, very solid boat, I would say. And it makes all the difference to how you experience the lifestyle of living aboard and sailing and single handing it, because that's ultimately, you know, what happens if there's just the two of you, somebody has to take a rest and the other one has to be able to handle the boats on their own. So, yeah. yeah. I, I I would agree totally with that. And, and actually it's one of the times that I like the most is when I am on watch on my own for three and a half hours. And I feel very fulfilled when I am able to uh, adjust the sails or bring in a sail or let out a sail. Or, and uh, it is, I never feel unsafe no matter what the weather and if i did i would call for, for, call for backup of course yeah. but uh yeah. i i haven't had to do that and it, and it is a wonderful wonderful feeling to be able to manage to know that you can manage the boat on your own yeah mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. yeah it is it just it it just it builds your confidence and it makes you feel like you, and it, it also makes me feel good to know that I can give Mark a break that I can, yeah. um, you know, that he can rest assured knowing that it's, it's doable. Um, yeah. Anything else on that topic? I think it's what I've heard from you guys saying is even though we all have our different ideas of, you know, we don't want to do pink all the time. We want to know some of you, but I think, the importance is the important thing is when you're living together in such a small space and having to maintain and keep this this thing afloat uh, and keep a family fed and whatever you have to do. I think the important thing is just to continue to communicate and to set those expectations and to say, you know, these are your strengths. Let's let you do that and just really have the conversations because and that goes with you're frozen for anybody else. Yeah, yeah, Sarah, I can't hear you anymore. Sarah's frozen. 
home, we would, live, we would live conversation and just being open with each other is important. Yes, Stephen, you have a question? You're back, you are frozen, Sarah, but you're okay. back. Oh, did you hear what I said or not? We, we no. he heard it right up till you said, and what's important is, and then you left. <sighs> <laughs> Sorry, I didn't, what did you say? I didn't hear you. Oh, what's, what's we heard right up to where you said the important thing is, and then you froze. <laughs> Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> well, you can fill in the blank. Communication, yeah. right? <laughs> Communication, for sure. Yeah. And be honest, really be honest about what you can handle and what you can't handle and yeah. what you need the other person to handle and what you need help with. So, um, yeah, that's a big part of it. Just really being mm -hmm. honest with yourself and being honest with the other person and accepting the things that they need help with and saying, I can help you with that and stepping up to the plate when you need to. So that's just life, life 101, but... Mm -hmm. Um, yeah, yeah, yeah. I mean, like, like Sally was saying earlier, I, I I agree with Sally. The 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 the, the, the blue and pink jobs I struggled with at the start as well. You know, being a career woman and then ending up having to do all the, you know, cooking and cleaning. I sort of questioned what I was doing for a while as well. But then again, you know, you you get used to it, I guess, and you realize that the blue jobs aren't all that great either. So, um, you know, I'm. I don't want to be cleaning a head, fixing a head. <laughs> yeah, that's for sure. exactly. Yeah. <laughs> Yeah, that's very true. Very true. And there's some good projects you can do working together. I mean, we had to pull four-aught cable, you know, 50 feet of four-aught cable to put new alternators on the engines and running it through the through the center of the boat and, you know, trying to fish it through. And, you know, I mean, there's a lot of that kind of stuff that you can actually work on together. And, and while Alan is doing his blue jobs, you know, changing the oil or replacing the transmissions and the all you know all this kind of stuff i'm in there trying to understand what he's doing and ask questions and i'm trying to understand a lot right along with him how the whole the mystique of batteries how that you know battery life and how to treat them and so even though you've got your separate jobs there's just a ton that you can learn and contribute to and and you know in the brainstorming when there's a problem if you understand the basic system that he's working on just from having um you know ask questions and i took some of the engine classes and stuff too early on but then you know you, you can contribute by just asking more questions and you know i frequently well, what about this what about this and and it'll lead help lead him to a solution so you know you, you can get some purple into those jobs yeah i do i do the yeah. same actually and i've learned through watching and uh, not as much studying like he does, but, but uh, I have learned through watching and listening. And, and we do all those jobs together. I'm often just holding the tools, but, <laughs> but that's important too. Yeah, yeah. I now know what all yeah. the tools are called. One of Actually, the best for, days for me. So we can go oh, get it for him. Yeah. <laughs> and sorry for the kids that is great for learning as well you know to get them to help out with those you know electronic yeah, yeah we always we always say everybody should have a, a small kid on board because they fit in all the spaces you know <laughs> they're really handy <laughs> but i think the best oh, way for me say, on board go yeah but, but when Elizabeth. the holding tank overflows and fills into the forward locker that is definitely a blue job getting the hazmat suit on to clean that. Yeah. Totally agree. Yeah. Wait, no, I did that. I sucked it yeah. out. 
with the host. No. Oh yeah. Oh yeah. Oh, We're gonna blame that on oh. the delivery captains. Oh. oh. That was like the first yeah. day we got our boat. I had to clean up that mess. Oh. Is that a learning opportunity that you would have much, much, much preferred to do without? I guess. Yes. Knowing the inner workings of those it's tanks. But I was like so instantly in love with the boat anyway, it kind of felt like a rite of passage or something. I don't know. Maybe that's oh, just. That's yes. <laughs> yeah. Claim yeah. it, girl. Claim it. That's good. That's good. Well, does anybody else have any thinks? specific to women on board the Antares. I, what about the community? We haven't talked about that at all. I think one of the, one of the issues for me um, was I was going to miss my friends and miss having people. And I just envisioned myself floating around in on these, all these deserted places uh, out in the deep blue sea and not having connection with people and friendships. So, um, the community of sailors that I have met and the women that I have been privileged enough to become sailing sisters with has, has, has um, just blown my, blown my expectations. Yeah, I would say that that is one of the best parts about our lifestyle is uh, the people that we meet and uh, how easy it is to share uh, experiences within, you know, 10 minutes of meeting them at the dock. You uh, feel often that you have made a kindred spirit friendship. So it is, it is a privilege. And, uh, I, I, and to share and help assist each other. It's a wonderful, wonderful community that is, you, you don't see it on land. I don't think it's, well, we lived in Toronto, a big city and uh, definitely not part of that scene as easily as it is on the sea. I, I think the big difference with the, um, the friends you make on land is that you tend to be from the same social background and you have the same kind of jobs. And whereas in the sailing community, you meet people from totally different backgrounds, from different um, environments, different age groups. And, uh, and that is very enriching, I think, uh, to have friends from lots of different, you know, places of the world as well it's um i think that's a big difference and that makes it so special and unique um and i think um as a family as well there is there is a, a real effort out there for families to connect with each other um which is which is great too for the kids because i that i think that was something i used to worry about how will the kids make friends when we're out there uh but that's totally possible as well so i think um the social aspect is 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 wonderful really it is. I, I likened it to summer camp. You know, you kind of just are all it's it's everybody is all together. And so you do everything together when you're at the same anchorage and then you split up for a while, then you get back together. And it's like we would call all the kids cruising cousins because they just became like cousins. They were just they had and it was a beautiful picture of older kids playing with younger kids that you don't really see except in the cousin relationship these days, because everything in school is so age, age leveled out. Mm -hmm. um, and so, and I think to be able to be sharing this adventure and all the challenges that come with it and um, the exciting parts of it, and to be able to share that with other people and other families and sit around the table and 
reminisce about a guy that you met that helped you learn how to fold laundry his way in Grenada in the laundromat and oh so and so knows him too because they were there two summers ago and you know it's it's just crazy the 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 small world that the sailing community becomes everybody yeah. knows everybody and um, yeah it's a beautiful thing you don't find it anywhere yeah we've I found that um, one really useful tool for keeping track of the random people that you meet on boats is Facebook. I mean, I was never a big Facebook and a lot of people, ah, Facebook's so awful, whatever. That all that part aside, you know, you become friends on Facebook and then, you know, we're sailing down from Cumberland Island to Canaveral. And I have just put, we're about to leave Cumberland Island for Canaveral on my Facebook page, right? And, and somebody, a friend who lives on the West coast of Florida goes, wait a minute, we're coming to Canaveral for the launch. You know, we're going to drive over. We'll meet you in Canaveral. I mean, time after time after time, you end up reconnecting with people just because of that, that quick, you know, here we are in wherever. And they go, oh, you're there. We're coming there. And, and you know, and we, we hopscotch with friends all over the East Coast and Nova Scotia and, 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 and you know, and meet up with them largely facilitated by knowing where we are on Facebook. Facebook, yeah. And even yeah. Mexico friends, you know, a lot of Mexico friends that we've seen on the East Coast, 100% because of Facebook. Whoa, you're here now. And you connect. Yeah. So I recommend it. Yeah. yeah, I know. I have mixed feelings about Facebook, man. It sure does help uh, to connect people, even here in the Philippines where They're we are. A lot of the uh, a lot of the local people have Facebook, and that's how they connect. And so they are, they'll be that's how they're you know selling food and everything on Facebook now with all the restrictions. They deliver it right to the dock, and so it's yeah, it does have definite benefits in communities. Yeah, and and on your your point about leaving friends and all behind. I mentioned earlier, I had no life, no social life. I never envisioned in, a, in my wildest dreams how many friends, how social I would have in this life, how social I would be. I mean, it's just like, it's just like 100. Like-minded people, because we're all and back an incredible lifestyle. Mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. Yeah, I think that sometimes the, the community of um, the community that people are feeling like they're lacking in the rat race uh, is alive and well and a beautiful thing in the sailing community for sure. For sure. Anything else? Anybody have any questions that we can cover before we say bon voyage? No? I hear nothing. Crickets. Okay. Well, I don't hear crickets. I hear waves outside, but <laughs> okay. <laughs> All right. Well, thank you so much to everybody who is here and who spoke up and who shared their experiences and their hearts. Oh, Sarah, you're breaking today. up. I appreciate it yeah. that many more people will. Oh, 
Okay. Am I here? You're back. back. You're back. Yeah. Okay. Inviting Thanks us. again for shared their experiences. Yes, it was it, it was a great conversation and so good to see everybody's faces. And um, let's drink a toast to all the women in uh, sailing. Safe, Thanks, safe, guys. Safe, that was fabulous. Safe, safe Cheers. And, and Sarah, I think you've proven that it's also occasionally able to be freezing in the Philippines as well as Maine. Oh, <laughs> amazing. It's amazing. Oh, how I wish it was freezing. And Sarah, <laughs> thank you for moderating. You're doing a great job. Thank you. Thank you.